Amen. Thank you, Pastor Brenda. Thank you, Ellie, for being here with that important ministry. Good morning, church. Good morning to those here present, those online. It's our second week of Advent, and this theme of unstoppable was on my mind several months ago. God's Advent was unstoppable. Despite all of the barriers, all the challenges for the Messiah to actually arrive, God's plan was never derailed. COVID has given us all sorts of challenges as well, but God's plan has not been derailed in Hong Kong and in our lives as well. So today we unpack um, this theme, important theme, redeeming the past. And it's one that um, we've been walking through a little bit in our Emotional Healthy Relationships course. Did a genogram in the course this year. I did that. I did it all the way back in college, and then I did it again. And it's helpful to look at how we're shaped by those who have come before us. Each of us has good and bad things in our history, but know that God wants to use and redeem it all. Our past don't have to keep us from moving forward for what God would like to do in our lives. And so we talk about redeeming the past today. I've expanded my viewing beyond Netflix these days. Now that Disney Plus is in Hong Kong, <laughs> there's a great story I'm catching up on, The Mandalorian. And there's excellent story of redemption in there. And, and I can recommend this show unlike the others that I enjoyed but couldn't recommend. So redeeming the past, we're going to look at a few key people in Jesus' genealogy, specifically five women in his genealogy. Some of those people in his past were positive influences. Some had you know, scandal in their stories, but God worked through them all, and he'll work through all things that we bring to him today. Sometimes in our own past, we can want to ignore those things, hide those things, not bring them to light because of the shame that might be involved. And this is why it's so interesting in the very first chapter of the New Testament, instead of Matthew hiding all the scandal in Jesus' past, he puts it all out there. This is it. This is the story. This is how God works in and through challenges that we have faced. He doesn't hide the scandal. He actually lifts it up and shows how God can work in it. So that's why we're going to dig into this story today. Now, Tyler has been very brave to read these first 16 verses. Um, it's not easy, these names. So let's welcome Tyler up to the stage. the genealogy of Jesus the Messiah, the son of David, the son of Abraham. Abraham was the father of Isaac, Isaac the father of Jacob, Jacob the father of Judah and his brothers, Judah the father of Paris and Sarah, whose mother was Tamar, Paris the father of Hezron, Hezron the father of Ram. Ram, the father of Amenadab, Amenadab, the father of Nation, Nation, the father of Salmon, Salmon, the father of both, whose mother was Rahab, Rahab, both the father of Obed, whose mother was Rob, Obed, the father of Jesse, and Jesse, the father of King David. David was the father of Solomon, whose mother had been Uriah's wife. Solomon, the father of Rehoboam, Rehoboam, the father of Abijah, Abijah, the father of Asa, Asa, the father of Jehoshaphat, Jehoshaphat, the father of 
Jehoram. Jehoram, the father of Lucia. Lucia, the father of Jotham. Jotham, the father of Ahaz. Ahaz, the father of Hezekiah. Hezekiah, the, the father of Manasseh. Manasseh, the father of Ammon. Ammon, the father of Josiah. Josiah, the father of Jeconiah. And his brothers at the time of the exile to Babylon. After the exile to Babylon, Jeconiah was the father of Shutiel. Shutiel, the father of Zerubbabel. Zerubbabel, the father of Abihad. Abihad, the father of Eliakim. Eliakim, the father of Asher. Asher, the father of Sadok. Sadok, the father of Achim. Achim, the father of Elahad. Elahad, the father of Eliezer. Eliezer, the father of Mephat. Mephat, the father of Jacob. And Jacob, the father of Joseph, the husband of Mary. And Mary was the mother of Jesus, who is called the Messiah. <laughs> Good job. Good job, Tyler. That was excellent. <laughs> wow. That was great. And it kept me from having to say those names. So as a win-win. All right. Thank you, Tyler. And... You know, we don't look at genealogies very much because, to be honest, they can seem a little bit boring, but this genealogy is an important one for us to unpack. The very beginning, Matthew says this. This is the genealogy of Jesus, the Messiah, the son of David, the son of Abraham. He wants you to know where Jesus is coming from. And in Jewish genealogies... Women are not usually lifted up at all, and most of them in the Bible, we don't see women included, and yet Matthew goes out of his way to lift up five women. Now, we might expect Matthew, who's writing to a Jewish audience, to lift up some of the matriarchs in Jesus' genealogy, like Sarah, Rebecca, or Leah, these pillars of faith, but he does not. Four of the women he lifts up are actually foreigners, each touched a bit with scandal. It's as if Matthew is reminding the Jewish people that they were as a people to be a blessing, a conduit of God's blessing to the whole world. So I want to look at five of the women um, that are lifted up in this genealogy. The first is Tamar. You can read more about her story in Genesis 38. Now the story of Tamar is this. She was the daughter-in-law of Judah. Judah had three sons. She marries the oldest son, and this son is wicked in the eyes of the Lord, and he dies, he is killed. And so the Jewish custom is that in order to secure a, a child for the widow, then it would be moved on to the next son. And so Tamar marries the next son in the line of Judah. This son is also evil, and does, takes advantage of Tamar, actually, and the Lord strikes him down. There's a final son, a third son, and Judah promises the third son to Tamar, but actually he is not going to give his third son to Tamar. 
So Tamar is put in a desperate situation. She doesn't have security for herself, and there's no security in the line of Judah either, which is going to eventually pass to Christ. So she is proactive in this, in looking after her own security, but also in Judah's security. So she devises a plan to dress as a prostitute, goes to a place that she suspects Judah will be at. Judah does go to that place, has sex with her, And Tamar, thinking ahead, requires Judah to give her a couple of elements. And so he does, his seal and his staff. Later, when it's discovered that Tamar is pregnant, Judah says she must be killed and burned at the stake. The ultimate in hypocrisy for Judah, right? Tamar then produces the elements that he gave her, and he realizes he's the father of this child. See, Tamar experienced wickedness and injustice at the hands of these men. She faced abandonment from Judah. And so she's proactive and she's brave in moving forward in what she feels is the right thing to do. See, Judah was, ex- you know, Judah was pursuing an irresponsible sexual encounter, but Tamar was being responsible in providing an heir, actually, to Judah's family. Judah eventually says this about his daughter-in-law, she is more righteous than I. Woman number one. Woman number two is Rahab. Rahab is a prostitute in Jericho. Israel is marching on Jericho, and they send in spies to the city to figure out how they need to take the city. The king of Jericho discovers this plot and searches for the spies. Rahab hides the spies lies about their whereabouts, and helps them to escape. Rahab shows immense faith in the Lord in Joshua 2. She tells the spies of the fear that Jericho has about the people of Israel, and she says this, for the Lord your God is God in heaven above and on earth below. She is a foreigner expressing a faith in God, and God uses her to extend that line that will lead to Jesus. Third woman, Ruth, there's the whole book about Ruth. Very quickly, Ruth's story is her husband dies. Again, she does not have an heir Her mother-in-law, Naomi, cannot provide, does not have any more sons to give to her. And Naomi implores Ruth to stay behind in her foreign land, find a husband, move on with life. But Ruth pledges her allegiance to Naomi and to Naomi's God. And you have this beautiful verse here where she says, Don't urge me to leave you or to turn back from you. Where you go, I will go. And where you stay, I will stay. Your people will be my people and your God, my God. What immense faith she has in trust. She doesn't know if she'll live as a widow her whole life or what. But when they return to Israel, Ruth is very proactive in working with Naomi to meet Boaz. Boaz, this person who might be her redeemer. And Ruth is very, uh, how do we say, uh, She basically arranges and invites Boaz to be in relationship with her. She was a woman of the 21st century, for sure. She didn't shy back. She showed courage. She showed bravery, and God used that and blessed her. 
The third woman, her, now Bathsheba's name isn't actually used in the genealogy. Matthew lifts up that she was the wife Uriah. She lifts up the fact that David's sin is right embedded in this genealogy. She is called the wife of Uriah because that's what she was. She was a faithful wife. And we know what David had done, if you know the story. He sees her, he lusts after her, and he demands that she come to the palace. She has no choice in this. David is the king. Bathsheba gets pregnant. David actually has her husband killed. Bathsheba's story tells us that life will not always go as planned. Unexpected circumstances will arrive, some that we have no control over. But God is sovereign. God is working. God worked through the son that she bore, Solomon, to bring redemption to her and to her family. See, these four women, we all see that God is advancing his kingdom through them for the purposes of his world. The things that they went through, this scandal, these challenges, these injustices, God actually uses those things to advance his kingdom, to advance his plan, to move his plan forward. God can do the same and is doing the same with COVID in our midst. God will and is doing the same in your lives in any unexpected turns they have taken, things that either have been done to you or mistakes you have been made. It will not derail God's plan. All four women risked their lives. Tamar could have been burned at the stake. Rahab commits treason against Jericho and could have been killed Ruth impoverished herself to follow Naomi in an uncertain future. Bathsheba gets caught in a political battle for who will inherit the throne, and she implores David, the king, to recognize her son Solomon. Each one of them risked their life. Thirdly, the Bible exonerates all four women. When Nathan confronts David about his sin with Bathsheba. He doesn't call Bathsheba a seductress, but he calls Bathsheba a lamb, innocent, taken advantage of. She exposes David's abuse of power. Judah acknowledges that Tamar's actions were righteous. The New Testament lifts up Rahab in the chapter in Hebrews where it talks about the pillars of faith, talks about her faith. She is an exemplar of the faith for us today. Boab praises Ruth as a woman of valor and describes her commitment to Naomi as hesed love, the steadfast covenantal love that she has. We all have a past. Maybe it's wonderful past and we should celebrate it and give thanks for it. Maybe it's a troubled past and we should bring it to God and ask for his redemption in it. The family line of Jesus is made up of less than respectable characters, less than perfect records. But these stories are all about God's grace as Vicky was as well. These stories show us that our story matters. That those parts of ourselves that we might want to hide away and keep secret 
to not be remembered should be told. Shame stories can stay shame stories if they're in the dark, but when they are brought to the light, we allow God to do his redemption in them. What an unexpected thing for the Messiah to be born from this line of people with flaws, imperfections, injustice, and scandal. I want to finish with the final one, Mary, in the genealogy of Jesus. We know Mary's story. She was a virgin. She was visited by an angel who told her she would give birth to the Messiah. She faced her own shame. I'm sure she was shamed by her village, by her town, for being pregnant out of wedlock. Much fear, I'm sure, but this was Mary's response. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May your word be fulfilled. And then the angel left. As I was preparing for this week, I had two different sources uh, sort of share this verse with me and this image that I'll show you. This goes all the way back to Genesis and the beginning of shame in the history of humanity. This beginning of shame after Eve takes of the apple and this is what we hear, and I will put enmity between you, the serpent, and the woman, and between your offspring and hers, he will crush your head, and you will strike his heel. We see this beginning of shame. We see Adam and Eve hiding. But I saw this image that was just beautifully redemptive. It's entitled, Mary Comforts Eve. Mary on the, on the right is, has her hand on her womb, very pregnant with Jesus. On the left, you see Eve holding that apple in shame. You see the serpent wrapped around her leg. And what is Mary doing? She's stepping on that serpent. This is the redemption story that God brings in and through humanity for us today. Is there something in your own story that you think, God cannot use me, God cannot forgive that? Know that God's forgiveness goes deeper and further than anything in your past, either done to you or that you have done. Has a sense of shame shaped your sense of self so that you think your name will not be found on the names of those Jesus calls brothers and sisters? Jesus can redeem that and will work with that. If you have scandal, brokenness, mistakes in your past, you are in good company. We see it in his genealogy and we see it in our church. If you're newer here and you don't know our stories yet, know that none of us is perfect. We are all in need of God's forgiveness. No one gets into God's family from good behavior. The only way to become a part of his family is through grace. Remember that your past is not the final word in your story. Know that God wants to redeem all of it, church. We're going to have a time of, of, of brief reflection. Um, we decided to change up the service a little bit this morning, just having a sense that the Holy Spirit wants to minister in a different way today. Pastor Brenda will come up and lead us in communion. If Normally in COVID, you would already have your communion cups. You can see them up here after Brenda finishes with communion, we'll have our prayer ministers up here that would love to pray with you today, whether it's for you, whether it's for your past, whether it's for a family member. 
whatever is on your heart. And so we'll invite you, um, after Brenda comes up, to come and get the elements, to take them on your own when you're ready. The band will continue to play. But we really wanted to create space for God to work today. Does that make sense? All right, Brenda will probably repeat these instructions, but because it's a change of plan, just want you to be clear. Let's, let's begin to open our hearts as Way plays um, for what God has for us today. <laughs> 